Welcome to RCS. I'm Dan. I'm Nick. And we're brought to you by Avance, Carter Subaru, Drivers Club, and the official car care provider of Rain City Supercars, Grios Garage. Don't forget to use our code RCS10 for 10% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Haggerty, Rainier Beer, America's Automotive Trust, and Salvo Design. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. It's starting to cook here like the rest of the country has been doing for a few weeks now. Um, so getting used to that, um, you know, because I'm a big guy and I sweat a lot. So I've just, you know, more deodorant more than anything. <laughs> so, you know, but uh, You're just fumigating uh, with it now. <laughs> pretty much. I kind of it, it was a little warm this weekend. We had an, uh, the monthly Avance off-road event and it was it was a little warm out there. Um, you know, it was a great day. Uh, only small incident we had is we were taking down the tent. The Avance tent decided to fly away. But other than that, it was a pretty good day. So <laughs> it was a little windy out there this time. It, it really it wasn't at the time, but it, it, it kind of picked up as we were leaving. So it was trying to help us fold the tent up, I think. So like, note to self, I will order tent steaks. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I, that's why I told Brandon, you know, Brandon Ben Powell. Uh, I told him, I said, if we can find them, I will get him a set as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm only here for one more week. I did another drive. I published my longest video I did of a hyperlapse. I drove all the way from here to Riggins. Now, Riggins is that town just south of uh, Whitebird that we did at Hill Climb at, which we've talked yeah. about in previous episodes. The only one we get cell service at. And, okay, awesome drive. Uh, saw a whole herd of antelope, actually, that I ran into. And that road I took... Going over it is just stunning, but the blacktop on the other side is going to be a destination on one of our drives for sure, because that is a worth it just to run up and back. One of the best roads I've ever driven. But the mountains so Riggins, outside. Riggins is the one where we came in at like in the morning and the bar was open and people were in there drinking. Correct? No, that's Whitebird. This is just oh, that's south Whitebird. That. Yeah. So, oh, okay. Yeah, the whole mountain was on fire, though. Ah, uh, now? Yeah, right now. Oh, so oh. it's like, oh, it's that season already. Uh, so that was fun. Uh, <laughs> refer to our previous tip about carrying a fire extinguisher with you. Probably wouldn't have helped for the whole side of a mountain being on fire, but fire's bad. It was a little interesting to drive into Riggins and see it on fire, though. So I bet. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a little, like, this heat is great. I love it down here. It's a nice, beautiful weather all the time, and it's getting beautiful up there. You know, we're surrounded by water and lakes, so it's great. But uh, I am... A little worried about our rally due to the fact that everything is already on fire. There's huge fire in Moab. There's you, this fire here was pretty well under control, just like a, I don't know how big it was, but just a giant brush fire, but eh, a little, little sketchy. So. It's it's starting again. I mean, I'm, I, although I'm going to try to avoid the coincidence that wherever you go, there are fires, but um, yeah, I think you're <laughs> over that, so it's okay. Uh, certainly <laughs> so, hoping anyway. Are you getting, are you, do you have all the uh, the deer in your yard still? Yeah, this one just laid down in the shade. He's uh, he's looking. Oh, you have one now. Yeah, okay, yeah, he's right there right Let's now. See. And then we have a, a family of ground squirrels that are obnoxiously waking me up every morning, chirping their little heads off. And it's hmm. cute until you wake up at five a.m. But yeah, ah, yeah. I think that's why people started cooking chickens and roosters. It's just you know they didn't want to wake up that morning. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, but I got a little Carter Subaru tip of the week, which uh, we can talk to our guests about as well as I was doing this drive over the mountains. I've done many drives into the mountains at this point, which is one of the best things about being here. But um, so one of the things I've, I've one of my videos I've come across, I carry a um, it's called a uh, what is it? Uh, it's a Japanese saw um, silky big boy. Talked about it on the show before. It's one of our recommended items we carry. People carry because it's a really high quality saw. It folds down easy. Great for clearing trees, even pretty large ones. It'll cut through stuff pretty quick. The problem I had is it doesn't cut through giant boulders very well, which there are oh. a lot of that fall down off the mountain around here, especially when you're doing the backcountry discovery routes. If you're, especially if you're a big Utah off-roader or an Idaho off-roader, and even in Washington too, you're going to come to come across boulders on the trail. 
it's a pain in the butt. Um, most time people just go around them. Sometimes they're too big or they're just right in the middle of the road and they're maybe a little too big to drive around without falling off a cliff. And well, what do you do? So there's several ways to remove a boulder from a trail. And I think the most common one we see is probably with a tree saver strap, which can damage the strap, by the way. So just throwing out there, make sure we're that and a winch or with a toe. And you're not really trying to remove it entirely. You're trying to get it off the road far enough to get it out of your way. But one of the quickest and easiest ways to do this is with a giant pry bar. And Harbor Freight, actually, of all people, sells an expanding one. And it's just enough to kind of wiggle this thing out of your way. And so luckily for me, I was able to move this one just by kind of rolling it with a lot of effort and not throwing out my back, thank God, lift with the legs, um, to move it just <laughs> enough out of the way to get around it. But uh, yeah, so if you're looking for getting a boulder out of the way, I actually highly recommend carrying a giant pry bar. Now, there's some really good shovels out there that'll do the same thing. But of course, you're running into a breaking handle. If they're aluminum, you can bend them a lot easier. So a pry bar is really where it's at, and an expandable one like that. That uh, just enough to wiggle it out of your way. It'll take a little time, but uh, that's my Carter Super Tip of the Week. Tool you probably didn't think of, giant-ass crowbar that expands. Anyway. So we can't use dynamite anymore? We should. I mean, tannerite, I mean, dynamite, dynamite, that's another way to do it. It's oh, kind of frowned upon during fire season by the Forest <laughs> Service. But I mean, blowing things up, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> but that's a great wow. question for our guests this week. We have... Andy and Mercedes Lilienthal of Crankshaft Culture, who do a lot of overlanding and exploring. And we met them actually at an Avance event, uh, I believe, right? Was that the first time we met you guys? Yeah, I believe so. Yes. Thanks for having us. A few weeks ago. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having us. So you guys are currently driving, what is this, a Mitsubishi right-hand drive, right? Uh, yes, three which, of well, them. Which one? Okay, <laughs> Perfect. Tell us more about you, what you're doing, what you're driving. Um, you're more than just a website, the blog, the podcast. Tell us all about you. Right. We're more than just a website. We're a way of life. So, uh, <laughs> Oh, wow. I like that. Yeah. Wow. No, like that. You know, what can I say? No. Jumping right away. All right. That so, needs to be on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. We, um, we, yes, we run mm-hmm. crankshaftculture.com and associated uh, uh, social media. And then, uh, for my full-time work, I actually work for Warren Industries, speaking of winches. There you go. And then uh, Mercedes is uh, a full-time writer and, and marketer and and all that. But going going to your original question is what we're driving. So um, we're kind of uh, we're kind of fringe lunatics. We, we have three right-hand drive Japanese domestic market uh, turbo diesel Mitsubishi four-wheel drives. So we have two Mitsubishi Pajeros. One is a 1991, one is a 1992. Both are short wheelbase, uh, five-speed manuals. Um, the other one is a 94 Mitsubishi Delica Space Gear, which is a minivan. It sort of looks like a jacked-up Toyota uh, Sienna on steroids or Previa on steroids. Four by four. Yeah. And uh, all of them are full-time, uh, excuse me, all of them have two-speed transfer cases, are, are legitimate four-wheel drives, all have um, uh, turbo diesel intercooled engines, and uh, yeah, we like to. We actually just got back from three weeks on the road in the uh, in the van in the Mitsubishi Delica. We traveled from here to Wisconsin to visit family, and then uh, went down to Los Angeles to uh, get fit up with a prototype roof rack from Frontrunner Outfitters down there uh, outside of LA. So, and then back to Portland. So. I, th- I think the most amazing part of this, Dan, is they have three foreign cars and they all run right now. 
Yeah. That is <laughs> amazing. That's, I mean, it's a, we know plenty of people that have multiple cars like that, but they're all either parts cars or they don't run. So that's pretty neat. Well, they all need oil changes right at the moment, but they're sure. all running. So yes, that's, it's that a good counts. thing to yeah. That counts. It's a, that it's counts. a mark the calendar kind of day when they're all running at the same time. And usually <laughs> it's not because of some horrible mechanical failure, although we have had one horrible mechanical failure where an engine block cracked. In the, ni- late. in the 92 Pajero last oh. year. And so we uh, we actually just put in a, oh, uh, I guess um, in September of, of 2020, we put in a brand new engine. Uh, Hyundai in, engine. Into that, yeah, that Hyundai, was... without nerd jacking the conversation. Oh, too you're already going to go there. With, so. That's not nerd jacking. No, no. You're going to nerd jack it, so you might as well start. <laughs> yeah, so basically, uh, Hyundai and Mitsubishi have always had a longstanding partnership, and Hyundai bought the tooling from Mitsubishi for the 4D56, which is a two and a half liter turbocharged intercooled uh, diesel, diesel engine. And so we uh, brought in actually our friend Kellen at Car Automotive down in uh, uh, Fort Myers, uh, Fort, Florida. Thank you. Brought in uh, a, a Hyundai 4D56, which is a, uh, or sorry, excuse me, Hyundai D4BF, uh, which is a basically a, a Hyundai made version of this with a better turbo, better metallurgy, modern uh, manufacturing, all that. So we ended up having that put into the 92 Mitsubishi. So, and then we upped the boost a little bit and, and uh, are continuing to, to tune it. But uh, it's by no means fast, but uh, it's knock, a fast house. knock on wood, it's been reliable. And then uh, our van is, our van is sadly the highest horsepower vehicle we own at the moment with 140 horsepower and 256. Ooh. Yes, 100, 140 horsepower, 256 foot-pounds of torque, new in 94. At well, the crank. and we ended up selling our Subaru WRX that was 265 for horsepower, and we ended up buying three Mitsubishis that ended up about the same equation as the 265 <laughs> that we just sold. So. Together they add up. So I always tell, together. I tell We're quantity, people, not quality. Yeah, I always tell people we have like – nearly 400 horsepower in the driveway it's between four cars but still so that still counts so i gotta ask why did you guys go with the mitsubishis like i mean it's that's such a niche kind of thing well how much time do you have yeah right well but i mean i mean obviously something has come into your life that made you go that way because there's so many people you know especially in this area with the subarus and the cross treks and you know and the raptors and things like that to go in that direction is is kind of unique yeah i grew up with mitsubishis um I mean, literally, as well, a, as a drive, a, right, right, the kind you would buy in the drives. United States. And yeah. they were uh, growing up. We had a, we had a, uh, it was a Dodge Champ, which was the same as Mitsubishi Mirage. I believe it was a '79, and then we had um, a, an '85 Dodge Colt, and then a '92 Mitsubishi Expo LRV. For those fringe lunatics who know what that is, <laughs> um, we had Eclipses. We had my mom bought a Montero Sport in '97. Um, currently has a. <laughs> Uh, an Outlander Sport. Sorry, my computer just tried to turn on. Sorry. No, that's, I know we were <laughs> transporting to a different time and place. Yeah, you'd think. Like Sorry, yeah. Star, Star Trek, Star Trek reference. Right. Yeah. So I, I, always, I always had a thing for Mitsubishi. Just, I always thought they were interesting. They were always different. You know, they were different than a Honda or a Toyota. I mean, I still have a Toyota right now, but um, car. But uh, uh, they're all, they were a little bit different, a little quirkier, a little bit different. You know, the 90s were really that golden era for Mitsubishi where they had you know, interesting performance cars, stuff that was really powerful, stuff that was really capable. Um, and I, uh, I actually, Mercedes and I had, we've had a few other four-wheel drives before the, the Mitsubishis, but I had uh, inherited my father's Jeep Cherokee, and it was a it was amazing off road, and it that was, was sing, single handedly the least reliable vehicle I've ever owned in my entire <laughs> life. And uh, 
one one uh, troubling day under the under our, our carport here at home, we were trying to fix something yet again, and I, I just I just basically said I can't do this anymore. I'm I'm I, I'm so sick of. Here's the analogy I give. So maybe some of you out there have watched the Brady Bunch. Remember the Brady Bunch. And the Brady Bunch, the Brady boys, they were always working on their bikes. They always had their bike upside down. They were doing something to it, right? But you never saw them ride their bikes. That's the way I felt about this Cherokee. It was like I felt like I never was driving it. I was just fixing it. Yeah. And at some point I just said, I can't do this again. I can't, I'm sick of it. And so um, I thought, well, what else Let's. What else could we get? And I thought, you know what? I've always thought Monteros are pretty cool. At the time we had an 89 Mitsubishi Delica Star Wagon. Um and that's a whole other story. We were in New Zealand and ended up um, driving one of those. I sort of fell in love with it. I thought, well, let's let's look at Monteros, and I couldn't couldn't find exactly what I wanted. But this '92 Mitsubishi Pajero short wheelbase JDM right hand drive turbo diesel showed up, and I thought, man, that thing is so cool. And it was a little sketch because it was in the Denver Craigslist. But they said it was in Houston. I thought, well, okay. that that's red flags right there, right? So, but I thought, well, let me let me email the scammer and see what they have to say. And they said, oh no, it's in Houston. And but I advertise them in the Rocky Mountain states because people in Houston aren't interested in these things. I said, okay, well, can you send me some photos? So he sends me a whole plethora of photos and and, uh, and and all this stuff. And he turns out he's an importer and all this. I thought, okay, well. So I reached out to my friend, um, Adam Barrera. He's at High Mileage on Instagram and and all the uh, associated social medias. And he lives in um, Houston. And he's a a car guy through and through and also has an affinity for the orphans and the the weird cars, if you will. And so I said, Adam, I found this Pajero and it's in Houston, Texas, allegedly. What can I do to make you go take a look at it? And I sent him a photo of it. And he says, I know this I know this car. He says, I'm friends with the owner. He's an importer. He says, I just saw this thing the other day. I said, you're kidding. He says, no, no, no. He says, why don't I go over there tomorrow and we'll do a Facebook Live and I'll walk you around it and all that stuff. Okay. So we did. It turned out pretty cool. And he he said, you know, I mean, like he's got no skin in the game. He says, I think it's great. So, of course, I said to Adam, how are the tires? Because we have to, if we do this, we're flying to Houston and driving it back. And he says, and he says, well, they're okay. I said, Adam, I've got to drive this thing 3,000 plus miles back. Is it going to make it? And he says, yeah, <laughs> maybe. 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 Like, All right, fine. We have AAA. So Again, he has no skin in that game, so it's fine either way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah. No, but big shout out to Adam for that. He, he's a, <laughs> a, a, a big, big asset in that. And so anyway, so we flew to Houston, exchanged the money and, and drove it back. And then, um, we proceeded to do the same thing with our other two Mitsubishis. Uh, we found another one amazingly in Austin and we did the same thing. And our friends, John, our friend John and his, and his buddy, John, uh, they went and looked at a 91 Mitsubishi Pajero that we happened. That was a stupid cheap price. So we did the same. They looked at it and they said, if you don't buy it, we're going to buy it or I'm going to buy it. <laughs> and I said, all right, well, fine. So Mercedes and I bought plane tickets, flew down to Austin, drove it back. And uh, same story with uh, our 94 Delica. And, uh, and the bat was in Florida during a pandemic. That's a whole other story. Dang. It sounds like my kind of adventure, honestly. That's my kind of trip. 
It's well, a lot of fun. It's fun. I mean, it, you want to talk about an adventure. What, what's more adventuresome than meeting somebody who you have no idea who they are, buying a car you have no idea about, and then driving it 4,000 miles across the country? That's most Dan of the cars do, I bought. Dan would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. I did that with a 911 Turbo S in Delaware. Done that with oh, the, cool. uh, the Audi I just did in uh, Austin. And then, yeah, that's most of the cars I buy. <laughs> yeah, okay. It sounds like we're cut from the same stone. Absolutely. You guys are a little more adventurous on the cars you pick for that. But, <laughs> well, but like it was, a challenge. Yeah, I mean, it was interesting. The reason I asked the Mitsubishi question is because being child of, of ch- children of the 80s and 90s, you know, we had, if you were truly a car guy, you were into, you know, WRC. And that was one of the best rivalries out there with Subaru and Mitsubishi. But everybody knew the Evos and everybody knew the WRXs, but a lot of people didn't. I mean, I remember talking to people about Mitsubishis and going and, and talking about some of the cars you guys have had. I mean, and I didn't know that much about it. And people are like, I didn't know they even made SUVs. <laughs> like, well, yeah, yeah, they make rally cars. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, I mean, the car and all the rest of them with Pajero's yeah no yeah yeah I mean Pajero is still the number one winningest platform in all of Dakar history yep so just that small race gotcha <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that was, just a tiny one. yeah I hear it's just a little thing they did, used to do in Africa <laughs> that'll never catch on it's just no not in, <laughs> Rat- in Saudi Arabia exactly we spend an average of eight hours and 41 minutes a day facing screens laptops smartphones tablets even digital refrigerators But what are we really connected to? Isn't it time you connected to something greater? Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty for people who love cars. You know, speaking of competitions and races, you guys did one of the things that's still on my bucket list and I want to talk to you guys about. And you just did it back in 2020, and that is the Alcan 5000, which I think is one of the coolest things you can do in North America in a car. Um, and you did it in, what is that that I'm looking at here? <laughs> well, it's one of our uh, turbo diesel old, old, old. This is the 1991 Mitsubishi Pajero. And um, oh, if you're thinking of... The Arctic, yes. Yeah. So it's another the other Pajero. So we have two of them. <laughs> uh, this one is the less um, um, flamboyant one, shall we say, as far as the trim level and, and how it looks. But, um, you know, why not take an old JDM turbo diesel right-hand drive, um, never sold in the United States, Mitsubishi Pajero, and rally it in the winter for a near 6,000-mile uh, Arctic rally um, that you are just hoping to not die and then your vehicle to die, you know, in, in front of you not hopefully dying um, during the rally. So... Um, it was quite extensive. It was quite um, quite interesting to do a lot of research and to partner with some really good top-notch companies um, like Wabasto, for instance, with the engine cooler and Shieldman for the heated seats and, you know, and Long Range America that brought in a Long Range Automotive, uh, you know, auxiliary tank for us to have extra fuel and we could push a button and not have to fill up our, you know, with jerry cans in negative 20 degree weather when everybody else, you know, had to fuel up with their jerry cans and, you know, and, and so on. The, and then the list goes on and on. And, you know, why not challenge ourselves with something that is totally unique, totally cra- crazy? And and we did it. And, you know, it it, it, it was eye-opening on so many levels. It was so challenging at so many levels. But, um, you know, we wanted to finish strong. We wanted to finish on our own power. And we did that and that much more. And, you know, come to find out that uh, the rally owner, Jerry Hines, he's been running this rally both summer and winter, Alcan 5000 rallies, uh, since the 80s. And he asked us if we would be an honorary vehicle um, for Rod Hall, which ran, was it 90s or 86, I think it was? Yeah, Rod Hall, the, that, the famous racer, he had, racer. he had 
run the Alcan 5000. I believe it was 86. 86, if I remember, yeah. And that was um, right as Dodge had introduced the Raider, the Raider which was yeah. the, um, the Mitsubishi clone of, of, of the Montero, was the, the Dodge version of it. And so he ran it and went up to Inuvik uh, back then. He was one of five vehicles, I think, that actually were successful in making it during the summer, summer rally all the way up there. And so Jerry Hines, the owner, had asked us if we'd be a tribute vehicle in his honor because Rod Hall, unfortunately, passed in 2019. Yeah. And since we were a, a sister vehicle, you know, obviously not the Dodge Raider, but we were Mitsubishi Pajero, very similar to it. And ours was in 1991. 90, um, he asked us to run it. And we said, God, yeah, we're, we're honored. I mean, you know, I know people, two women, actually, Sue Mead and Emily Miller, that are quintessentially extremely important in the off-road world and are women that have both been taught how to drive and how to race and everything by Rod Hall, among so many others Sue, um, that have met the family. And, yes, yeah, Sue raced with them during Baja. And, you know, and she, she was one she, of the first American teams, if not the first American team, to actually win the Baja, uh, win well, the Dakar. 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 Yeah, Dakar. So, um, you know, and Emily Miller now, she's the owner and the, um, the head of the Rebel Rally, which I rallied in 2018. It's an all-women's a traditional navigation rally that's at least 1,500 or so miles uh, in the United States. It's the longest running rally in the U.S. And it's all traditional navigation, all off-road, and, um, you know, quite a challenge in itself. So to be able to attribute ourselves as as humbly as we could be for a tribute vehicle during the Alcan in the middle of winter where temps dip to, you know, negative 40, uh, how can we run this old-ass diesel and make sure that the diesel doesn't, you know, get, get <laughs> killed and gel up and this and this, and how, how can we make this work? And and it was just phenomenal. It was great. I mean, the support everywhere, you know, whether friends, family, um, us, uh, the, you know, the sponsors, the companies that we worked with, um, it was truly a, a, just a lifetime of experiences roll, you know, rolled into 10 days and, you know, 5,200 and some odd miles and there, yeah, there were a number of bucket lists checked off on that trip, oh, God, for yes. sure. Yeah, so. for sure. Well, nothing like you'd never figure that you would see the Arctic Circle in two different countries four times collectively in less than, what, three days, three and a half days? Yeah, it was it was uh, 10 days and over 5,000 miles. So we're, we're making miles every day. And by the way, like we hit 42 below zero was, I believe, the coldest we, we saw. That was when the Jeep Wranglers had a digital... Um, a digital uh, thermometer. You know, thermometer in their cab, and it said negative um, 42, but they were debating back and forth on the radios. Who said what as far as them? And we're like, well, we're surprised. You know, we're happy that our car starts, and we don't have a thermometer. <laughs> and I tell us the temperature, but, um, yeah, so I think negative 42, I think, Andy, you're right. So. Yeah, I've been in negative 40, and it's uh, it's – it's no joke. Uh, people don't know how that co- uh, how cold that is until you've been in it. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, right, we, right. we grew up in the Midwest. I, I'm a, I was born in Minnesota. Mercedes was born in Wisconsin. We mm. both lived in both states. So you know, we we kept telling ourselves that we know cold, and and we do. But in 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 those places, you're generally running from superheated house to superheated house and and whatnot. But you know, when you've got to start a vehicle for days on end at forty below zero especially a diesel, you know, you have to take some, some, uh, I, I guess precautions. Well, it's not precautions, but you, you have to, you have to plan ahead. And oh, so God, yes. like you'll, you'll be driving through the absolute middle of nowhere on the Dempster highway or the Dalton. And just off in a field is a, is like a, um, an excavator, a dozer, a dozer <laughs> or an excavator that is just, just idling away. 
Lights on, idling away at 11 o'clock at night as you're trying to, you know, haul, you know what, and get up to your nearest hotel or motel. But they don't turn them off because they can't start them again. And so um, we actually had, uh, well, we had an oil pan heater, which is, you know, just plug it in. If we were lucky enough to even get a plug-in. Because all of the the hotels have plug-ins. But we also had a Webasto, uh, it's called called a Thermotop Evo. And what it is is it's a coolant heater. So it's about the size of a shoebox and it sits in the engine bay. And it's got a, a fuel line that goes to our diesel tank, and you can program it to start at whatever time you want, and it'll it uses the battery, and uh, a pump circulates coolant, and, and then it up. the fuel ignites a warmer, and so it'll we would set it for about an hour or thirty minutes, an hour and a half if it was that yeah, cold. Yeah, if it was super cold, an hour and a half. Yeah. And we started an hour and a half ahead before we'd start the vehicle, and so the coolant would be warm, and then the engine would fire right up like it was had been running all day. But I can't tell you how many times where you would come to a stop. We did some ice racing uh, in uh, Dawson City, and uh, on the Mackenzie, you sit on the on Mackenzie the river. river waiting your turn to go, <laughs> and just watch your coolant level just drop. I mean, you've been driving, we've been that driving coolant, seven hours. here temperature. Well, yeah, but the coolant. The so we, we've been driving seven hours. And we come to a stop for 20 minutes, it's just idling. And the, the temperature just keeps plummeting and plummeting and plummeting. You lose heat in the car and all that stuff. And it's it's an entire different world. But like Mercedes was saying, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, we saw incredible wildlife. We did time speed distance rallies the whole way up there and back. Uh, we, we, we hadn't been to Alaska before, so we'd now done that. We had never been to the Arctic Circle. We'd done that. We'd been to the Arctic Ocean now. We had not done that. And uh, it's, it's an incredible event. We are, we are already signed up to do the 2022 Summer Alcam Rally. The way they do it is like the Olympics. Yep. So 2020 was a winter one. 2022, two years later, is going to be a summer one. 2024 will be winter again, and so on and so forth. So we're, we're already signed up to do the 2022 I'm not sure if we're going to take the Pajero again. It's all ready. Um, I completely rebuilt the the front end on it and had new shocks and all kinds of stuff. So it's ready to go. The only the only problem with the the old diesels is uh, if you've ever if anybody has ever done time speed distance rally, it's all about average time, right? You got to get there at the prescribed time. So you want to hold average times and, and whatnot. And so when you come to big hills or or uh, lots of switchbacks and whatnot the old diesels aren't able to get back up to that sort of prescribed time as quickly as, as, a, as a high performance vehicle. We, uh, we did a, a local time speed distance rally this October and took second place, which was awesome. And, but it was in our, our little Toyota that's lowered and all kinds of modifications to it. Gas a little power. Yaris. Come on. You got to yeah. give a shout out to the Yaris. <laughs> little, little Yaris. 2007 but, Toyota Yaris hatchback. But, you know, it's lowered sway bars, sticky tires, intake manifold, all kinds of stuff done to it. It's like a go-kart, but it's great for TSD because it's zippy. And so... Um, and the Pajero is we not. Just, and the Pajero is not zippy. And we just, we were like, yeah, like the ability to get back up to the the speed that they recommend is, is definitely a pro. So I don't know. We'll, we'll have to see. We're not sure exactly what vehicle we're going to take this year, but, or for 2022, but it also depends on whether or not they're going to do it. it hopefully the Canadian borders open up soon and, and they can pre-run the, the route. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm dying to get that border open. <laughs> Us Same. too. Same. So I'm just sitting here just sort of with my mouth open listening to this. I'm like, I don't even, like, I, I, Dan and I have talked. We, Dan and I talked for years about driving up to where was it? Where were we going to go, Dan? Talk to you. In the, 
Uh, huh? Tuck, 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 tuck. Tuck. Yeah. Tuck, 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 tuck. Yeah. yeah. That's where we went to. My yeah. locals yeah. say tuck. Or yeah. people yeah. that don't know how to say it, they say tuck. <laughs> <laughs> I still don't know how to spell it very well. So I always have to look it up and try to spell it because tuck the uptick yeah. is not easy to spell. They have sweatshirts that say tuck you, as in tuck university. <laughs> oh, yes. I just that when we went up there. Of course. It's such a bummer. Those are classics. Those are classics. How did you guys get into this? Like, I mean, and I guess kind of go back, like, how did you guys yeah. meet and know that you were car guys and car girls? Oh, well, well, uh, do you want to tell the story? How sure. Met? Way back when. Yeah, make sure you get it right. <laughs> yeah. oh, no, no, no. Back in, the, back in the days of yore. Oh. Meaning, back in the, you know, meaning, wagon days. It was 2000. Wagon, wagon days. In 2000. And uh, I was, uh, we both went to the same college, but didn't know each other. And, well, we didn't uh, know we went to the same college. Right, and... Shout out to University of Wisconsin Stout. But anyway, <laughs> so um, I was living at my parents' house uh, as a student in the summer, and my buddy, we had mutual friends living in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and uh, he called me up and said, hey, uh, we've got a mutual friend of, of ours, and she'd like to come down uh, this weekend because we were going to Chicago that weekend for hot import nights. I don't know if anybody remembers. Oh, the hot import oh nights. I remember those. Yeah. Big car show. So we were going to go to hot import nights in Chicago and Mercedes wanted to go, but I didn't know her. So my buddy Matt says, like, hey, would you mind giving her a ride down there? And so what happened was, is I was living on my own. I had my second internship in downtown Minneapolis and I was literally there visiting the crew uh, the weekend before. But of course, as a poor college kid or a post-college kid, you know, with an internship, I didn't have any money to drive another six, seven hours to get down to Milwaukee to visit my friends. So he knew Matt in this one household. I knew Chad, the other guy that were living in the basement of the said household, you know, six, seven hours away. And they said, hey, you know, we, we, we want you to come down. We've got another friend of ours, Andy. He lives about 40 minutes away from you. He's going to be coming down. He's a really good guy. You know, you guys should just carpool down. So I said, all right, that's fine. So uh, we met and we like just immediately hit it off. And we joke around saying we haven't stopped talking <laughs> since. <laughs> we keep on talking. It's been, what, 21 yeah. years later? Yeah, 21 like years later. And, and so we went to Hot Import Nights and we immediately and then went to, they had drag races at Great Lakes Dragway right there on the border of Minnesota of, of uh, Wisconsin and Illinois. And, uh, uh, yeah, we've just kind of been inseparable since. And, um, as far as the adventure stuff, like I, I've done autocross and all kinds of stuff, but and um, I've always been into cars too. I mean, yeah. my, my parents emigrated from, um, from Germany in the sixties. My dad was originally born in Yugoslavia and my mom was in Germany and he immigrated over and they came over via job opportunity. But, you know, I mean, they, they had different vehicles where he was always tinkering on. He was always working on. I mean, they, you know, he was a welder fabricator and, and um, you know, design person and so and a blacksmith. So um, they had their own shop in central Wisconsin, and that's how I grew up. And But they were always into cars. And I wasn't named after Mercedes, by the way, um, the car manufacturer. And it wasn't because I was conceived in one either. So it's just that my dad always liked the name. So, yeah. but always, in, always into wheels. Always but, you know, cars. we got into the... When I got a job at Warren Industries, initially I was sort of like, I'm not really into four by fours. I'm into lowered import cars, and that's kind of my thing, you know. And and I I thought at, at one point I said, you know, the best way to better understand my my constituents, or Your the people, people, the people that I'm, <laughs> that I'm I'm helping to sell product to, and and so on and so forth, was to get into to to buy a four wheel drive, and so we bought a. Uh, 95 Suzuki Sidekick. And what was the color? It was teal. And if 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 I could just kind of interject this, if anybody wants to know what this vehicle looked like or what we did to upgrade it, 
Look up the Teal Terror on Google. You'll see everything it's about the teal it. Teal Terror. The Teal Terror. It was it was very teal and very not ter- uh, terrifying. So, um, but I bought that and you know started to modify it, and and we ended up going to a bunch of events, and and we uh, we were at the Northwest Overland Rally, and I think it was 2010 or 2011. I think it was 2010, and uh, a a couple from South Africa. I believe they're from South Africa. We're giving a presentation and, and showing all the amazing places they had been in there with with four wheel drive vehicles, and they'd been all up and down Africa, and they were doing the Pan American Highway up to Alaska and down to Argentina. And I remember, like, my mind was a little bit blown, thinking, like, this is amazing. Like, we both love to travel. I mean, we met traveling. We 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 it's it's our it's at our core and uh well, so watching that so yeah traveling together and so watching this presentation for these people who have four-wheel drives and they're traveling the world internationally I mean, mercedes t- turned to me that night and said this we, is amazing yeah. like, we, we need to talk we need to talk i'm like yeah <laughs> totally and so it was it was kind of after that that we realized that travel combining travel and automobiles and and all the things associated with both are really what make us what's what make us tick. Listen, I love fast, fun cars. Like I've driven everything from you know little too. import cars to your know, Ferraris and McLarens and and you know I, you know NSXs, all kind all kind of all kinds of fast vehicles. And um, I, but I also I also really love four wheel drives. We we love cars, like period. We love cars and we love travel, and you know we we that's the reason why we started Crankshaft Culture was was we we have this mantra that every vehicle is an adventure. And, we're all united by horsepower, and we're united by horsepower. And it doesn't matter if that's if that's fifty horsepower or. 500 horsepower or a thousand horsepower. Like we all, if there's one thing we can all agree on these days, regardless of political affiliation or anything like that, if you're into cars, you're into cars, whether it's slow cars, fast cars, lifted or lowered, like cars can be something that unites us. And with cars, I mean, you know, where do you go? We travel. So it's travel and cars. You meet people along the way. And I think that that's where Andy and I find ourselves at our finest is, is learning how we can communicate and how we can compromise on the road. And, you know, some of the trips that we've taken haven't, you know, parts of it haven't been easy. Parts of it have been kind of ugly. I mean, you know, you get sick on the road, whether you're in New Zealand or this or that, or you've got weather like we were in Iceland and, and, you know, you have to make the best of it. And, you know, or you literally get sick or, like we were in New Zealand. You literally whatever. get sick. So, but I mean, going through those types of experiences, I think, um, you know, we've got so much more to go and so much more of the world that we want to see together, but I think lending ourselves to that opportunity, to those opportunities to say, okay, you know what, not everything's going to be right on the road. You're going to break down multiple times in lots of different cars. You're going to have issues, whether it's sickness or your, your, you know, your credit card gets declined because you don't know how to freaking work the Icelandic whatever and your, you know, your SIM card and your new sure. phone doesn't work. You don't know how to pump fuel you, in You don't Iceland. know how to pump fuel. Like it happens and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I literally have no money because my credit cards don't work and I have, you know, 50 Icelandic, whatever the heck the equivalent is, you know, in Icelandic. But, <laughs> but it's, it's those experiences that make you learn and those failures that make you who you are. And if you choose to accept those and and lend that to make you being stronger, you make that you make yourself to become that much more of a, a worldly traveler. 
I could not agree more. Like I said, I I think the four-wheel drive is kind of the staple. I go through a lot of sports cars, obviously, Rain City Supercars. Nick and I both love our <laughs> sports cars, but uh, we tend to, it always kind of comes back to the trucks or the off-road vehicles for me, and I've had cruisers and trucks my whole life, and it's, uh, I think that's that's the staple for me. As people who have known me the longest know that it's it's always kind of what I always gravitate back toward. The, the sports cars come and go, but there's usually some kind of off-road vehicle or, or an off-road motorcycle occasionally in between, and it keeps me going, and because I'm down in Idaho right now, so I've just been I've been enjoying the option of hmm, I wonder what's up there, and I just go up there. Right. Four hours later, I'm like, maybe I should turn around. It's getting dark, and I'll probably hit a deer or a bear. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and I think that kind of goes back to our whole mantra with crankshaft culture is you know we use two main hashtags, right? Every vehicle is an adventure, and united by horsepower. And it doesn't matter. We we are equal opportunity truck, car, you know, sedan, crossover, van, man truck, moped, whatever lovers, right? So no matter what it is, if you're an enthusiast and it's got, you know, even if it's got a battery pack and it's full on EV, I mean, you're getting out there. You're, you're, you know, traversing the world and however you feel comfortable. And it doesn't matter the type of vehicle. It's that you're out there doing it. No matter how, if it's 10 miles down the street and you're like, I've never been to this neighborhood cafe, or if it's 5,000 miles away in a separate continent and you took, you know, five ferries to get to some crazy place that you've never been to. It's for us, it's, it's about the journey and about the people along the way. And no matter, you know, in whatever type of mode of transportation it could be. You know, we talk about this United by horsepower thing and, and it, it literally is one of these things where, you know, you guys are both into cars and trucks and whatnot like that. And we would, you and I, the four of us would never even be talking if it wasn't for this link cars. To, to cars. Yep. Right. And when we were like, one of the, my favorite examples of this was we were in Iceland in the middle of nowhere and we had stopped and we were in a little four by four 2019 Suzuki Jimny, which we loved. And uh, <laughs> we, we had we pulled, bring it here. <laughs> we had, we had pulled off. There was a sign that had showed a sort of a, a big map of the area. A big? It was the size of a two story house. The map was. That's a different one, but yes, that oh, was okay. a big one too. But so we we stopped, and then like out rolls this one of these sort of crazy Icelandic trucks. You know, and the huge balloon tires and all this stuff, and it was a it was an eighty two Jeep CJ seven, <laughs> and uh, it was like amazing. It was, oh, like it was a one black ton, beauty. It was oh, like a one yeah. ton axles. It had a central tire inflation system. It was gorgeous. All these things, and I'm, I'm like, holy crap, the thing's amazing, right? And so we kind of walked over there, and we're just. Uh, most I asked people, if it was okay if I could take photos. Most people in Iceland speak English, um, especially younger people. People like. I would say 50 and under all generally speak English very, very well. And we, we happened to run into the two people who didn't speak it as well as most other people. If at all. And so we, we, we started talking a little bit and um, they were a little bit reserved and that was okay. And uh, I, we were more in the interior off off the beaten path too. We weren't in the tourist area. We weren't in the tourist area. And I remember saying to him, because I was genuinely curious working for a winch company. He didn't have a winch. And I said, do you have, I, I see you don't have a winch on this vehicle. And I wasn't trying to sell him. I was just curious. And he sort of looks at his friend and says, you know, something in Icelandic, well, like, what is winch? And his friend said, you know, blah, 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 blah. And he says, I'm not sure I understand. And I, I showed, I think I was wearing my worn sweatshirt at the time. And I pointed to the logo. I said, I work for this company. And he looks at me and goes, oh, worn. 
everybody knows Warren. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> and, but that was this icebreaker. And he, and I said, well, your, your Jeep is very, very amazing. I really, really like it. And out comes the iPhone. And he starts showing me the build and starts showing me all this stuff and, and, the, and some of the shows and some of the places they've been and why they use the big tires. Well, and, and they showed us all the snow photos, right? Yeah. They go up to cabins that you can only get by via these huge balloon tires and you know some yeah. other when they had to pull people out and this and this and i'm like i, I wish i could record this whole yeah. moment it was, it was amazing so cool and then we couldn't even talk but we could show photos and talk right and and so we sort of wrapped up and in a very icelandic accented english he looks at us and says enjoy iceland and then oh. he gets in his thing and and leaves and, and like, that off. was awesome <laughs> like i don't know who that guy is amazingly i've I guess it's not that amazing these days. I've found a number of the Icelandic four-wheel drive groups on Facebook and have joined them. And somebody posted a photo of this vehicle, and I said, this looks exactly like the vehicle that we saw this Jeep. And I posted the Mercedes had taken a photo of this person's Jeep, and they said, oh, yeah, that's the same one. I went, oh, my God, like, that's incredible. Like, <laughs> you know, this, the whole world over. But the point being is, is that we're in the middle of nowhere. We meet some guy who doesn't speak all that great at English, but we were united by cars. We're united by horsepower. We're united by vehicles. And that's amazing. And I think to add to Andy's point is, you know, he, he brings up a really valid um, sentence, right? Or a statement of because of technology nowadays, because of Facebook groups, because of online forums or texting or, you know, WhatsApp or any of those types of things, the world is so small, right? I mean, you, you know, I met somebody at Overland Expo West multiple years ago, I was standing in line and she sounded like, you know, she was behind me a couple of uh, people and she was talking and sounded like she was a Kiwi, sounded like she was from New Zealand. And my godmother and her, and her um, husband and, and daughter lived there. And I said, oh, turned around and said, hey, you know, by chance, are you a Kiwi? She was so excited because she always gets taken for an Aussie. No, no offense, Aussies. Um, but <laughs> He was so excited. But long story short, with that, we exchanged information because we said, hey, you know, we, we might be traveling to, or I'm sorry, to New Zealand soon. And she said, oh, come on over. She said, I'm just outside of Christchurch. You can stay with us and blah, 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 whatever. And it takes a little bit of a, a leap of faith and trust in people that are travelers to do such a thing. But, you know, we messaged her. We stayed in contact and we said, yeah, you know, we are actually show, you know, we're showing up and we've got our flights booked and this and this. And it was fantastic. Her name's Sue Wright and she was just great. And, and so we stayed with her outside in our camper van and this and this. And, you know, but it goes on with like you and, and, um, and Stefan Stephenson from, or Stefanson from Iceland. They've become good friends online, but because of Andy talking about Iceland and, and asking car questions about Pajeros and this and that, whatever, they've become good friends. But the world is so interconnected now because technology allows us to be that way and it makes traveling that much more interconnected. So when you do get out, you can see some of these people in person as long as you kind of let down your guard and you trust in it. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's, once you find a common bond, in this case, cars. Oh, it's immediate. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah. Yeah, we have that happen to us all the time where I've randomly run into people in the middle of nowhere on drives that I've mm -hmm. ran into later in life many, many times. I mean, middle of Utah, in the middle of nowhere. Like, oh, this is a great driving road. Sure enough, there's a Ferrari rally on it. No plans. Just like, okay, <laughs> run into all those guys. I'm, I'm laughing because I've, I've looked at your website, and I love your website, by the way. Your articles are fantastic. You guys have some incredible content that our, our listeners should check out. The website is crankshopculture.com, yes, the actual and, website with the articles. Yeah, and I'm looking at your store, though, because one of the shirts immediately caught my eye and made me laugh hysterically because I've seen this argument take place, and I just laugh and roll my eyes. It's stop trying to define overlanding. 
<laughs> I love that shirt. I'm there. I get, uh, yeah, we, I get that all the time. People are like, oh, well, I'm sorry. That's not actually overlanding. You're yeah. just trail driving. I'm like, oh, for Christ's sake, people. Like, we made that as just, a joke. Just but... have fun. <laughs> just get out there and do whatever you want. Like, I posted a picture on, I think it was, I forget which forum it was, but I had a picture of, I camped out of the back of my Z06, and I had my tent set up, and uh, this is my C7 Z06, so this thing's like way out of place. I was in a KOA campground outside of Moab, so I'm not exactly going <laughs> to yeah, go nice. into And so I've got like, I'm like, am I overlanding now? <laughs> Oh God, I right. love it. I love and, it. And there's like there's a there's a, a few sort of tongue in cheek groups out there like the I I came here to argue about overlanding group mm-hmm. and uh yeah, you know, it's like people just need to to chill out. And by the way, that's not just about the overlanding scene, that's like about all the things like, oh, we, we like cars, then we're cool. Like quit <laughs> quit going so like you know, digging on people because oh, you're not using the right right wheels or the the kind of well, tires right. that I like. And I mean, and I think that's the whole you know one of the multiple reasons we decided to create crankshaft culture years ago is is because you know it doesn't matter if you've got a Subi that's been tuned by Cobb or if you you know and built up by Cobb or if you've got a you know Toyota Four Runner that's got all the latest you know total chaos gear or any or you know suspension or any of that stuff. It doesn't matter what you have if it's bone stock or if it's fully built out with forties and crazy lockers and this and this whatever everybody is out there to enjoy themselves with whatever vehicular mode of transportation it shouldn't it shouldn't really be about oh well you got this and this and this and we kind of cut through the whole bs of pretentiousness and just be let people enjoy things right and celebrate (laughs) that i mean that i mean but that's just us i mean we're we're kind of we're just unique and quirky and different that way and i I have to say like the the i got i get so sick of people trying to pigeonhole the you know, oh, well, this is this, and this is this, Ugh. and, oh, you're not actually overlanding. That's that's this and this. It's called we were, car camping. We were at a, <laughs> yeah, fancy pants car camping. We were at, <laughs> we were at a winery, and, and this is sort of the impetus for this, whereas we were at a winery in, mm. in New Zealand, and uh, Mercedes asked this question about it the wine. It was a legitimate about, question. Okay, legitimate question. She asked this question about, about the wine. Is it the that Syrah. specific kind of Syrah? And blah blah blah, and the, the gentleman in a very very polite, um, yet stern, yeah, um, sort of um, what's the uh, declarative way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> in a uh, former British colony sort of way, says, you know, with all he said, with all due respect, why do you have to define exactly what this is? Can it just be really good wine? And I thought to myself, saying, yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I'm sorry. What kind of music is that? Oh, well, it's uh, it's alt country punk ska with a touch of a dubstep over. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, can it just be good music? Like, does it have to be? Do you have to pigeonhole everything? Like, you know, I, and, and it's the same way in cars, right? Like, oh, this is this kind, and this is this kind, and this is oh, this is a you know, oh, this is for time attack. Oh, this is only a drift setup. Oh, this is like. Can it just be a cool car? Like, can it just be really sweet and that and be done with it? Like, I don't know. It, it's an identity thing to some people. They have it is, they, yeah, they okay. have they have to pigeonhole themselves. I mean, we've you know we we've all seen it and and right. It's it's tough because you sit there and you go you you like cars and I like cars. We don't really need to argue, but then they continue. But there's a lot of people these especially these days that just wants to. I think they're, they're, they 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 want to argue. That is their car culture. Is they want to argue right. about it. I so, think you're right. Well, yeah. I think you're totally right. And I think in addition to want to argue about why their setup is the best or what their opinions are the best, I mean, you've got a whole host of keyboard warriors. But I think that there's another sub segment of people that just want to fit in. 
And, you know, they, they don't care what it is or how it is. You know, and I'm not going to name monikers or this or that or whatever, but they just want to feel accepted. And for me, I feel like I've not been accepted by one group of people, even with a grade school or high school or whatever. I felt like I never really fit into any specific thing, but I had friends that were all across different you know, groups, whether I had, I had friends that were, you know, geeks, nerds and, and jocks and, and whatever band people, you know, all, all across the, you know, I'm totally dating myself, but anyways, <laughs> you know, I just, for me, I'm just friends with whoever. And, and, and I've always been that way. So I've never really fit in. And I think that kind of translates now into the car culture is because we're not specifically trying to fit in or feeling accepted. We're just who we are. And if people accept us, that's great. If not, then that's okay too. Right. This is, this is the thing. It's, it's, it's hard to be eclectic as an outlet because people want to go to this one site for their, for their Porsche stuff. Right. They want to go to this one site for Toyota for their stuff. Toyota for, stuff. They right. want to go to this one site or for one Jeep group stuff. for their Jeep, whatever it is. Right. And to just be like, Hey, I know you're you're into uh, I know you're into McLarens and I know you're into Land Cruisers and I know this person over here they're into Ford trucks but like really if you peel back the layers here we all have the same passion and that's cars you may do it differently than I do it but I I I love going to cars and coffee or whatever oh there's so and, much fun you know there's a, a reliant Robin which is an Avance member. And there's a lifted old school shoebox Bronco, and there's like a 29 Ford, and then, a, there's, and then there's and there's Porsches, and then there's some kid who swapped in an F22 into their Honda Prelude, and I'm like, you know what? That kid who is like 19 and is spending all their money working at the grocery store on this Honda is as passionate as any other. Auto enthusiast. I don't right. care if your car is three hundred thousand dollars or three thousand dollars. <laughs> right. You are. You are. If you are passionate about cars, you're passionate about cars, and that's and that's the bottom line. And that's, I guess, this thing that I I I think we all as we all sort of understand, but few of us are willing to admit. There's specific car shows I go to because of the brand. Like if sure. I want, if right. I'm not, like, uh, and then, but I always go for the eclectic. I'm not going there. Like if I go to a exotic car shows we often do around here. That's just part of the sure. part of what we do. Uh, I see, you know, 2458s and 2488s and that's cool. Like I, I appreciate them and I love them and I think they're beautiful. But if I see like, uh, you know, just, <laughs> I remember, I'll never forget it one day. We were exotics at Redmond Town Center. And of course it's an exotic show. So we, they allow exotic cars. There's a criteria for the show. That makes a lot of sure. sense. One of my favorite cars that showed up that didn't get in was a 19, it was, I think it was an 86 or an 88 Honda Accord. And it might as well have rolled off the showroom floor. Sure. Wow. And so sure. we're like, okay, we can't let the car in because it's a, it's a criteria show. Totally makes sense. Right. But we were all like, you could tell everybody just kind of like navigated toward it outside the show because we all wanted right. to look at it. Yeah, and, well, and, I, and I think that's, I think that's one thing. Yeah. I think that's one thing. Like if it's a show that's, like let's put let's put the I've been to Concorso Italiano, been yeah, to Pebble Beach, <laughs> all these things, right? They're not gonna they're not gonna allow a Honda Civic to show up, you know, at Pebble Beach. Like I get it, and that's fine. But I guess the I guess the idea is there. I think some people who and it doesn't. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a Ferrari or a Ford Festiva. If if somebody is passionate about that and and absolutely loves it. That's great. Now, sure, they're not gonna. You're not gonna bring the Ford Festiva to the Ferrari show, 
I mean, you're, you're just not. It's, it's not what it's for. Some people will but, try. <laughs> but people don't, yeah. But, but that person who has, who is, you know, who knows this car inside out, who's swapped in a turbocharged BP engine from a, from a Mazda into a, into a Festiva one out there, they can be equally as passionate as a Ferrari owner. Um, granted, I mean, let, let's face it. I, I, again, like, you're not going to drive the Festiva to Pebble Beach. It's just not the right kind of show. But that doesn't mean that person isn't as passionate yeah, as a totally person agree. Who, has a, who has a, 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 a 50s Testarossa. Well, there's, sh- there's shows for everything. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and I, I mean, God. we're, you know, we definitely appreciate every specific craft too, right? You know, whether we go to a Ferrari only show or whether we go to a micro car show and, or any of those types of things, we're not saying that, you know, just because you're, you're deciding to be part of one segment that that's not okay or right. any of that type of thing. You know, we, we appreciate all different kinds of vehicles and, you know, no matter if they have a gasoline powered power plant or an EV pack or, you know, your feet, right. And you like push yourself on, you know, or if it's a bicycle, like Shout a low rider Fred bicycle. Yeah, right. <laughs> or, or the low rider bicycles that my friends back in, uh, in, you know, post just post high school uh, made, you know, and, in a, you know, central town, you know, central small town in, in Wisconsin and went down to Chicago and actually won, you know, uh, won awards at the, you know, Chicago car shows or lowrider shows for their bicycles and the tricycles that they built, you know, that were lowriders. I mean, you know, it, it just, it, it kind of goes back to the, you know, just being proud of what you, what you have and how you're building it up and just, you know, talking to people. Some people like chocolate. Some people like vanilla. <laughs> well, we all like to eat, we right? We don't like those people. Uh, yeah. We all like to eat ice cream. Yeah, we yeah. all like to eat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, 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 we stay away from those people. They, they can't be trusted. <laughs> Everybody knows that. want us. So, Andy, tell me a little bit about your journey on how you ended up at Warren. Like you said, you're really not an off-road person or overlander or whatever that means uh, I, wasn't. So. I wasn't he was, yeah. yeah he wasn't so yeah, yes yeah. Uh, in the, my first job out of high school excuse me my first job out of, my that first too. job out of college yeah that too my first job out of college um was the assistant editor of scale auto enthusiast magazine and that was a publication based in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, that was developed uh, that devoted to building and collecting model cars. So you know, you used to go and go to a hobby shop, buy a plastic model car kit of a whatever '69 Camaro, or whatever. You built it and painted it and all that stuff. So the, this magazine was all about that. And so uh, I wasn't a model builder. Like I had built model cars as a kid. My dad had built model cars and planes but uh i remember specifically the advertisement for the job was do you like cars i was like yes do you uh know how to write i said yes i had a journalism you know background and uh do you build models we're like no but anyway two out of <laughs> so three, close two out of three was all i needed apparently and so um i started at that job assist eventually went to associate editor and I learned about all kinds of cars because it wasn't just about like cut this, glue this, paint this. It was like I would edit manuscripts about the history of Ford's grabber colors or a, an article about gassers from the 1960s or an article about the history of Ferrari or something like this because those history pieces and those guides 
helped people who were going to build scale model versions of those cars. Keep like them accurate. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, you're, you're going to build a, a, um, you know, a super bird or something like that. Okay. Well, here's the right color. And by the way, here's the carburetor setup that they use. And here are pictures of that. So you can replicate it. So I, I learned a lot about cars through that. And then I, I always wanted to, my whole goal was to get into the automotive industry somehow. And this was a great first step. It wasn't the real car. They weren't full-size cars, one-to-one scale, but it was all about cars. And so uh, that was, again, in, in the Milwaukee, Wisconsin area. But my father, had he lived out in Oregon, in Portland. And we used to go visit. I used to go visit. And, and I loved it out here. And eventually I wanted to move out, out to the West Coast. And so um, after five years uh, of, of working in the magazine industry and, and dealing with PR people and all that stuff, I found a PR opening, uh, copywriting and public relations position at this company called Warren Industries. Well, I knew what Warren Industries was because as a kid growing up in the 80s and 90s, I used to watch TNN on Sundays and they would have all the motorsports programming, American Sports Cavalcade and, and Muscle Cars and all these shows that are now on Spike, the Spike Channel. And uh, so I thought, oh, my gosh, well, that'd be cool. Like, I mean, I don't know anything about trucks, but it'd be a, you know, foot in the door in the automotive industry. And so lo and behold, like, I applied and I got the interview. I flew out to Oregon and uh, I, I, I had the interview and all that stuff. And they gave me a second interview. And by golly, they, they offered me a job. And so uh, uh, I accepted that job. And they said, well, how soon can you move out? I thought, well, that's a that's a kind of an interesting question. They're giving me an option. I thought, well, how about a month? So that'll, that'll give me some time to, you, you know, needed, yeah, pack up the house and move out. And they said, well, we need you in two weeks because we have to have you at the SEMA show. And that's a good place to start. I I remember thinking, well. I've made it because I had <laughs> always wanted to go to the SEMA show. Yeah, I, I just a, got to pick up and pack up the rest of the house and sell everything that we didn't want. Yeah, no, that's right. No, well, guess who also yeah. has the best wife? Well, he was he was yeah. he was away. You could sell all of his stuff, and he wouldn't notice. So yeah. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. I own, right. right. So I mean, growing up, I, I remember I, I had a friend back in Wisconsin. Still have a friend back in Wisconsin who who had a wholesale account with Discount Tire. And being that being that he had a wholesale account, he was technically a, a jobber, and he, he could have gotten into the SEMA show. And he always used to say, "Yeah, we're going to get into the SEMA show one year." I don't know if he ever. I don't think he ever went. But so now I've been every year to the SEMA show for sixteen years straight, and uh, uh, I started there and and have uh, I've come and gone actually a couple of times from Warren Industries, but uh, I've, I've been back ever since twenty sixteen nonstop. But yeah, it's you just you know. My father used to say, "You never know where you're going to end up," and I, I think that's a while a, a sort of a, a very vague statement. It's also extremely true. Like you think, you think, especially when you're maybe in your early twenties, you're like, "Okay, I've got this plan. I've got this roadmap. This is where I'm going to go in life," and and stuff doesn't go to, according to plan all the time. Um, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. But listen, if you would ask me. 20 years ago, if I'd be working in the off-road aftermarket for a winch company, I'd have been like, really? No, I'm into like lowered Volkswagens and, and <laughs> Hondas and stuff like that. Well, and I mean, in, in kind of um, to add to Andy's point, you know, if, if with my career, whoever would have figured I went to school, you know, for uh, for fine arts and then interior design and spending near 20 years as a commercial interior designer, project manager, 
And if somebody would said, oh, you're going to end up, you know, writing for all sorts of notable publications, like, you know, being the the um, editor at large of Tread Magazine or writing for the New York Times or Forbes or Autoblog, and you're going to be making a difference with words and cars, you know, later on in your life, I'd be like, yeah, right. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, you'd never, you'd never figure, you'd never think. But I mean, to Andy's testament, you just don't know where you end up, but you have to let the path of what's an opportunity in front of you and, and say, okay, do you want to accept it? And, and if it puts you out of your comfort zone and if you fail a lot, you know what, you're going to learn from those experiences and you might progress in a different path that makes you who you are. You just don't know it at that time. And I think both of us have gotten that way. I mean, it, it's now we're in our careers and we're like, wow, we still have so much more to go, but we just have, you know, looking back at the past 10, 20 years, we're like, wow, what have we done? This is just insane. We never would have figured we'd be where we are now because we decided to say, Yes, at crazy chances, like, you know, moving to Oregon and working, you know, for Warren or I decided to quit my career in 2018 and saying, you know what, I'm going to go out as a full time freelancer and on my own boss or being my own boss, which, you know, has been just absolutely insane in my world. But yeah. And, and, and you know, I still write as well. I, I call this for Trails magazine. I've, re- I've written for Tread. I've written for Dub magazine, written for all kinds of Peterson's and Peterson's four wheel and off, right? Like uh, Expedition Portal, whatever. But like, you know, I, I never stopped doing that. And, you know, I mean, without without sounding like an advice columnist, I mean, you can <laughs> you can do whatever you want to do if you put your mind to it and focus on it. I mean, I, I hate to sound like, you know, dear Abby. But still. No, I mean, you're right. And I think it's the, the willingness or the acceptance of saying, you know what, I'm not going to be good at whatever I want to do right away. I'm going to probably fail. I might fail a lot. But keep pushing and keep trying hard. I feel like a broken record. I, I keep saying like, keep pushing, keep trying, keep whatever this and this. But I guess for me, it's, it's with learning, right? I mean, I get told no all the time. I get, I get no answers all the time. I get, you know, yeses sometimes here and there. And it's like, it's awesome. It's like, you know, go for it, push I'm, for it. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough. And <laughs> people like me. Lucky, yeah. <laughs> for those SNL fans, <laughs> we just dated ourselves. It's true. <laughs> That's okay. Most of the lines I take out of Dale Carnegie, how to win friends and influence people. So you're good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Uh, When are we going to see you guys again for an advance event? Uh, I don't know. Ask Brandon and Paul. So no, say his name as much as you can. (laughs) (laughs) He's great. And uh, I've known him for years, but I actually, my next article in trails magazine, um, which will be issue 14 will feature his uh, his Pinsgauer. So we wrote a little bit about that. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I had a great time. We had a great time going up to the advance event. Super good group of people. Um, met all kinds of awesome people who are into cars and trucks. And, and you know, there's a, there's a thirst for knowledge right now. As people as, – as COVID here is doing what it's doing, but even b- before we got to this point, you know, people were – spending money on cars and trucks and RVs and trailers and getting out there and they were finishing it or working on their projects. And, and so it's, um, it's really cool to talk to, to people about what they're working on or, or maybe a, a new venture that they uh, are, are, haven't done before. Like for instance, I was teaching this winching class at the Avance group and there was a bunch of people who had had the, who had had winches on their vehicles, but had never used them before. And, uh, uh, you know, the hands-on training, there's a thirst for knowledge. I think as, as people have been home for the last year, year and a half and, and have thought, well, what am I going to do with my free time? And people are, 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 
are building up their cars and building up their trucks. And, and so I, I get a lot of satisfaction out of helping people understand how to, you know, extract their vehicle from a muddy hole or something like that. Uh, you know, a lot of people know they need these parts, but they don't know how to use them and they're, and they're not really sure where to start. And so as somebody who teaches winching classes, I, I, I very much enjoy empowering people to, to learn how to do that. We, yeah. we understand that more than, you know, we've run into people up in the, in the woods, they have all the gear and they don't know how to use it. So many, I, many I times. How, yeah. I can't tell you how many people, how many times at shows over the years where <laughs> I know somebody, you're gonna say. somebody will come up to us and they're very proud to have the Warren Industries products. And they'll say, Hey, I've got your winch on the front of my vehicle. And uh, I love How it. How do I, I use it? I've never used it and sure yeah. I don't have to. And yeah. it's like, well, make sure you, you know, make sure you need to know, make sure you know how to use it before you need to know how to use it and play with it. Move your, move your wife's car around the driveway. Do something, <laughs> do something pull, pull something, just pull the line out, pull, pull it back in. Like, even if you're not doing it, I mean, listen, I mean, I'm, it's kind of, a, it's kind of this tongue in cheek joke, but like, you know, this 90, 90, 10 rule, 90% of the time you're pulling somebody else out, 10% of the time it's for yourself. And, yep. you know, it always gets a chuckle at the winching, you know, winching classes, but it, it is true. But, you know, you should know how to pull somebody else out as well as, as, as yourself. I mean, it's, it's, it really isn't rocket science, as they would say, but. Um, <laughs> well, and it, it's about safety first, right? right? I mean, and so obviously, you know, one of Warren's hashtags and one of their mottos is go prepared. Right. And I mean, and but that that cross translates into so many different segments. Right. I mean, you know, when it's vehicular based travel, no matter if it's on road or off road, you need to be prepared. You need to make sure you have enough, um, you know, water, enough um, food, enough recovery gear if you're off road in the middle of nowhere and, and power to be able to power yourself back up and fuel and all sorts of things. And but I mean, for me, being a journalist, um, you know, it's it's really interesting for me to interview a lot of people that have been through different real world life experiences. And, and, you know, especially if they had major challenges, how they get out of it, how do they do it? What hacks did they learn? And I mean, it helps me become kind of a better traveler too, be, because I'm learning from other people too. So, you know, talking to those uh, that have been out there and have done it, they have tips and tricks that they can share with you too. Yeah, you don't want to become a statistic. You know? Yeah. I've been yeah, out there many times with people who have never even aired down before. And I'm like, that's yeah. yeah step one here. Um, but right, right. I got a Z on 12 yeah. sitting in my garage. I haven't had time to put on yet. It's literally just been sitting there forever driving me nuts and I can't wait to put it on, but I just haven't had time. And I, I think these days there's a lot of people who, who are, I mean, let's face it. You go, you, you go, let's say you go on a Jeep Jamboree or, or, or some sort of organized club run. You may not even know you're supposed to air down. And so yeah. somebody asks you, what are you, what are you airing down to? And you're like, ah, uh, like, don't be afraid to, don't be afraid to ask. Right. You know, we all right. have to, we all have to step out of your comfort zones every now and then and <clears throat> say, Hey, listen, this is my first time doing this. I really am not sure. Not only, not only what PSI should I drop my tires to, but what's the best way to do that? Yeah. Well, and do you have regular wheels or do you have beadlocks? I mean, that, that you, you know, have, or, yeah, or what kind of tires do you have, you know, or are you even capable to go out and whatever terrain that you want to traverse into that that's yeah. presented in front of you? But I, I think people and, need to just like not be so, you know, don't, don't be so self-conscious. Ask, 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 ask questions. questions. We all start somewhere. That's, we all learn to crawl exactly, before we learn how to walk. Yep. That's exactly what I wanted to say is everybody starts from somewhere. I mean, hell, we both did. I mean, you, you've learned a lot about that right now on this podcast, but... 
um, you know, don't be afraid. I mean, and, and if you're around people that are giving a crap about it and like, rah, 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 whatever, Wrong those group. aren't the right, those aren't yeah. the right people. Exactly. They're not the right people you want to be associated with. Well, that's a so perfect segue into that are willing to be your champion. Yeah. That's a perfect segue into why we do a lot with Avance and Avance Off-Road because that's a good right. place to ask that. And that group, you'll never even get that in the online group. You can ask questions like that. And that's totally fine. Um, people are going to give you real answers, not, you know, did you read the owner's manual? Yeah. <laughs> like, right, yes, right. I did. No. I didn't see that part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No is usually Rule the answer, one. but no, RTFM, right? No. Grandpa, what do you call this thing again? It's a 66 Ford Bronco. I think you got ripped off. Why is that, honey? It's got no Wi-Fi, no USB port, no Bluetooth. Exactly. I guess we'll just have to talk. Sometimes the best way to connect is to disconnect. Is that the window button? It's called a window crank. Cool. The faster I move it, the faster it goes down. This moment of escape was created by Haggerty. Being old is kind of cool, Grandpa. Works for me. For people who love cars. Yeah. Uh, speaking of which, we do need to segue into our Avant stuff. There are three events or four events coming up this weekend for our Northwest listeners. Well, actually, one for Colorado. We've got the Avant's Dino Day at Carb Connection. Uh, always fun to see what shows up there and what numbers it puts down. Let's. I feel like James and Jody doing this are like regulars at that event at this point. Um, Avant's Off Road again. So speaking of Off Road, we've got the Moses Lake Dunes trip. If you've never been to the dunes, I always call Moses Lake. This is your starter dunes, not real dunes, but it's a great place to start and get your feet wet to, or sandy in this case. Uh, you'll need a flag. I think I don't think it's sold out. It doesn't say it is here, but uh, that's a great place to start driving at the dunes or playing sand if you've never done that before. Our Denver folks, we've got the magazine launch and open house. Uh, the mag- the De- Avance magazine launched this week. You, the time you guys are hearing this, that's already been launched, but if you're not an Avance member uh, and you want to check that out, you should. It's like 170 pages. We've got a couple articles in there with a couple of interviews. You can pick that up at any Avance partner, I believe. I think Adam is still distributing those, but uh, Park Place is a great one. They also use Griot's products, and you get 20% off if you're an Avance member there if you want to do a quick wash, which uh, with this 90, 100-degree weather might be a good idea. Uh, Salem, Oregon listeners are Oregon listeners down by you guys. There's a private collection tour in Salem and, uh, just judging by the car on the cover. And I have seen photos from this before <laughs> you want to go to that. Uh, no matter what kind of cars you're into, you're going to see, see some seriously special stuff. So it's a uh, 30 bucks, well worth the price of admission. Um, and it's a charity fundraiser. hundred percent of the proceeds are going to safe sleep women's shelter of, uh, mid Willamette Valley. So great cause, great event. Uh, Check out Avance, Avance.com. Tell them we sent you. Of course, they're a great partner of ours. Um, let's see here. If you guys want to check out more, uh, crankshaftculture.com. I guess I've been browsing your articles this week as I've been get preparing to talk to you guys. And they're like, we could continue this podcast for days because there are so many things I could talk to you guys about. You guys have some great articles. I love that you guys are writers because they're actually stuff you want to read, which is <laughs> thank um, you. Well, thank you. <laughs> contrary to a lot of auto stuff I read. I'm like, oh, this isn't just like the standard review that is the rewritten yeah. spec sheet of the new car coming out. Thank right. you for uh, that. Top five valve stem covers. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you can never get enough valve stem cover information in this world. How dare you? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of airing down, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, there's some great, uh, you guys have great coverage of the Alcan that we talked about on here. I love the photos, by the way. Thank you for being such great photo bloggers because, uh, well, Nick and I do better with photos than words, as you can tell. So <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Not you. photos of ourselves that we don't no, show no, no, people. No, no, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's different. Yeah. I like the we, colors. We can know to publish selfies and stuff like that from time to time, but no, we, we appreciate it because we, we try to work really hard to deliver quality content, whether it's for Crankshaft Culture or all the different outlets that we work with and in four and and i think you know andy and i that that's 
you know, we try to stay true to who we are. We try to deliver unique and different content, but honest content, right? Yeah. So if it's a review, we'll tell you what we like, what we didn't like, and in constructive feedback. We're not like, oh my God, we got this cool free thing and blah, blah, blah. But we, so we try to just, you know, write in and in, in present in a unique way. Uh, and you do a really good job. I'm looking at your Instagram right now, actually, so I'm scrolling through because it's uh, Instagram <laughs> slash Crankshaft Culture. Great photos, eclectic stuff, not your standard, just everything you normally see off-road. I'm loving the pictures of the Mitsubishi here. Um, I love all the mods you guys list and how you guys go through it. It's really fun. I like builds. I, I love watching a build come together and seeing all the details. I'm kind of a stats geek, so I like seeing every little detail of how this worked and how this was made, and you guys are great at that, so it's really entertaining. Thank you. So, well, thanks. I really appreciate you guys taking the time and coming on because uh, I know you're busy uh, out there. You know, I mean, it sounds like your last adventure. Can't wait to hear about the next one. We will hope you will come on again and, and talk to us more about what you guys have been up to. And I hope we see you guys at the bar. We love it. Yeah. We, we'd love to again, and, and thanks for having us. It's been great. Yeah. All right. Well, Andy Mercedes, thanks for joining us. For Rain City Supercars, as always, I'm Nick. I'm Dan, and don't just get there. Enjoy the drive.